0: This podcast is sponsored by AAA, the American Automobile Association. AAA members get discounts on tickets, resort accommodations, and more at Walt Disney World and other Orlando attractions. If you book a qualifying Walt Disney World resort vacation package at select AAA offices, you'll receive a free subscription to touringplans.com, as well as dedicated trip planning resources just for AAA clients. Go to AAA.com or ask your local AAA travel agent for more details on this offer.
1: How they retain this pounds. That's nice.
0: Hi, this is Len Testa, and this is another episode of the Unofficial Guide Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. We're continuing our series of uh, talks with Sam Genoway, author of the book Walt and the Prog- Promise of Progress City. And uh, today's episode, we're going to be uh, visiting uh, Tomorrowland, and we're going to take a little bit of an unconventional route to Tomorrowland, And that we're going to take the walkway from Fantasyland to Tomorrowland, and we're going to end up with our first attraction as... Space Mountain, and uh, as we walk along this pathway, we've we've got uh, two other pathways on either side of us. On the left-hand side, we've got the Walt Disney World Railroad, and on the right-hand side, we've got the diesel-smelling, the exhaust-smelling, anyway, uh, Tomorrowland Speedway.
1: Very forward-looking, isn't it? (laughs) It is. So
0: uh, so apparently in the future, people will be riding uh, small cars powered by small engines.
1: Yes, that's right, and and going a whopping seven miles per hour, hour. and uh, with really no scenery to look at whatsoever. But you know, I I have to always remind myself with Utopia that we're a little bit older than like nine or twelve years old. That's right. And if we were nine or twelve years old, driving our own little car would be really quite cool, and you know, running into our siblings and the bashing them in—that's really quite quite fun. So. Once again, as a as a planner and as historian, you kind of have to sort of put your head in the place of the people that you're thinking and writing about. So, it's still kind of awful, but that's a whole different it's, story. it's one of the few examples of
0: uh, of, of actual car cars. That you can ride in the uh, in the parks, right? So test track is another. But uh, when you think about the the modes of transportation in Walt Disney World,
1: well, that, that this, is, that's it, the big thing. I mean, it, in the end, uh, in the end, Walt was a transportation guy. He loved transportation systems. He loved trains. That's why he did the monorail and the people mover and all these different technologies. Uh, he was constantly in motion. And 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 in, in some respects, the actually in many respects, and a lot of it's still left here at the Magic Kingdom, but it's been gone now at Disneyland. Is the overall concept of Tomorrowland here is based on the 1967 Tomorrowland at Walt Disney at Disneyland which was known as the world on the move and what you had is you had motion vehicles working at a variety of heights so let's start at the top at the very top you've got the astro orbiters way up high about 77 feet high right Three stories right all right then you come down the next level is the people mover track which goes completely around it was the first use of uh of uh, induction motors, magnetic induction motors to power vehicles. The reason it doesn't go up and down is the train cars have to relate relatively flat. They, they don't have the ability to go up and down grades. The way they were really? designed, because of, of the induction, because of the induction, they're not able to be pushed it's that not, way. It's not that powerful. Right, and the thing is, though, the thing just goes on and on and on. If a magnet breaks, it still doesn't stop the trains. It was designed by Bob Gurr, and it was designed so that Disney could sell the technology to other cities. In the end, the people movers as they stand didn't happen, but if you think of most fast launch coasters now, they use these kind of magnets at a much higher energy level and speed to launch the various vehicles. So it's a technology that that Imagineer Bob Gurr developed as the next step Within the evolution of the People Mover, then we get down to the the ground plane, and we've got the Utopia cars. So they're kind of down here with us on the pedestrian actually, scale. They're
0: actually one one level down from where we're. at. Yeah, so yeah. We've got the people on the on the ground floor. That's
1: right. So if you think of uh, look at Walt's concept, as you read the book, you'll learn that Walt wanted to bury the cars underneath <laughs> the city, and it's the same thing here. You know, the cars are down below grade. Pedestrians have have the have the the high ground to it and everything here it's another kind of like main street when you enter into tomorrowland it's a very narrow corridor that has the equivalent of the castle the tower that holds the astro orbiter and then a big central hub which is the area with the people mover track and a lot of space for people to do things right
0: that's uh, that's really interesting so these yeah so that you can get to tomorrowland a couple of ways from the central hub you can sort of make that uh, right right after the ice cream place and sort of right. go through the Tomorrowland Terrace news station. You can also go directly on the bridge over the hub. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and, and uh, a very dynamic space, lots of motion. Not only are the vehicles moving, but buildings are moving with the Carousel of Progress going. Now, the, the beauty of Space Mountain, that was designed by Imagineer John Hench in the middle 1960s. His original idea was that the roller coaster would not only be indoors, but the vehicles would exit the building and you would be top high up on the building outside. Oh, nice. Which I think is like the way it is at Disneyland Paris, right?
0: Uh, you do go outside in Disneyland Paris. Okay, so,
1: so that got implemented then. Uh, but it's a humongous building, and in a sense, it's a two wild mouse roller coaster stuck indoors. That's true. And uh, and it, it's the icon at the very end. It's certainly the draw because of an attraction, and I think that for many people, it has become one of the major symbols. And if you're staying at the Contemporary or Bay Lake Tower, it's the predominant structure that you see, in keeping with that modern theme. That's
0: right. So the transition from uh, from the contemporary is first you see Space Mountain. Then you see the rest of Tomorrowland, including the Asteroid Wars. Then farther along, you sort of see Cinderella Castle and then the rocks of, of Big Thunder. But exactly, Big Thunder is exactly. really
1: far off in the distance. That's exactly it. The so, interesting
0: thing is that you know Space, space Mountain, you, you don't see from the hub you see the astro-orbiters from the hub. And then you only see yeah. Space Mountain
1: once you get to the astro-orbiters. Right, because that's because the astro-orbiters is actually the weenie, the weenie. not the, the castle. Other things that I like about this, you know, they tried to at one point theme it as sort of an inter-what uh, inter, uh, inter, is it, inter, uh, a spaceport. From In, intergalactic spaceport. Intergalactic, board, intergalactic yeah. spaceport, thank you. And that's what they were really trying for. So there's some really kind of funny, odd things. You know, I, I've always kind of admired these completely functionless, metal palm trees that theoretically I guess could move and close and stuff like that.
0: They they don't really provide shade, they're just sort of their their design.
1: But I I guess the implication is that in the future we can't actually grow plant materials so we have to create them out of metal. Uh, In Tomorrowland if you bring a fork, a knife, and a salad bowl all of the plant materials in Tomorrowland at Disneyland are organic. And yeah, don't don't try spell.
0: that in. Uh, don't try that in. Yeah, but don't Magic try Man.
1: that at Walt Disney World because you'll notice that they're like cactus plants. <laughs> yeah.
0: So not only not only would you die, you'd die a painful death. That's
1: right. Um, so this whole area is, in a sense, very much like we're kind of standing in the hub right. of, of Main Street. Functions exactly the same way. The idea of Tomorrowland was to project forward, to demonstrate how American technology can solve all of the problems that we have. When this area was rethemed. Uh, the only negative I have on it is, to me, I don't see it so much as Tomorrowland, but I sort of see it as Pixar Fantasyland, because all of the rides are now mostly Pixar characters as you go about, and they're not really rooted in the future. In fact, I'm not exactly sure why um, why the uh, Monsters, Inc. Laugh Floor is here, because are the monsters in the future, or are they in a contemporary time, or are they in another space? But the real cool things that still remain that do make sense are things like this ball.
0: Oh, so there's a giant uh, middle globe, uh, black, uh, I guess it's plastic globe, on, uh, on, yeah. on, 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 uh, on a, on a.
1: A little water base, so anybody yeah, can move it, and it's quite fun. Uh, the little phone booth where you can go in and you can hear phone calls, intergalactic phone calls. There's a few of these little kind of things that remind you that this is supposed to be like the convention center land the area hub, yeah. of, of Tomorrowland.
0: You kind of see it in the um, in the posters if you're walking from the Tomorrowland mm-hmm. uh, Terrace Noodle Station. You kind of see the, the the transportation, the hub sort of theme in those posters as well.
1: And another really important thing is the people mover itself. You see, whenever you'd watch a show with Walt Disney, he would always give you sort of like Main Street, get you all on the same page. But he would, when he would do shows of the parks, he would fly over the parks to give you kind of an overview. Yeah. So you can orient yourself and you can plan your day and figure out which attractions you want to go on. Well, that's what the people mover does. If you go on that first, you get a sampling of every single ride that's within this area, every single attraction. It's the same way that the railroad that goes all the way around the park gives you a view into each of the different lands, so you know what to expect. And the same thing, in a sense, what the riverboat does. Um, the riverboat does in what the riverboat does over in Frontierland, as you're going on the riverboat, you get to see both Liberty Square and Frontierland as well. So like all good movie people, you want to give people previews. This is one of those previews.
0: So the TTA is a preview?
1: It's a preview. And the, and this was the, the technology of the of T. The te- it's the People Mover now. Land. Sorry, sorry. People We're back mover. to calling it the right way. In fact, you know the name People Mover was not what it was going to be called. It was a placeholder name that Walt Disney was going to use, and the name kind of stuck, and they never got rid of it. Of it, And it's the same thing with the Contemporary. That was going to be the Tempo Bay Hotel, but they had it marked as the Contemporary and the name just sort of stuck. So sometimes those sort of parking names kind of stick. But the idea of the People Mover at first at Disneyland and here was specifically designed to be used as the major transportation system within the city of Epcot. They were not designed to be theme park rides. They were designed to be public transportation. The key is, is that, There's no better way of testing technology than a theme park because of the abuse of the visitors, the amount of visitors. If it's going to work, it's gonna work. And if it's not gonna work, you're gonna find out very quickly that it's not going to work. So it's a great test bed for that type of technology. But this is lasted, it's wonderful, it's beautiful. It does make me cry a little bit, however, because when you're going past the model of Epcot, The model of EPCOT was originally 6,900 square feet. It was 115 feet long by 60 feet deep. It had 22,000 trees and shrubs. It had almost 2,500 moving vehicles. It had 1,400 illuminated lights, almost 5,000 buildings. And the buildings towards the very front that you could conceivably see through the window, some of them even had furniture in their interiors as well. And it was fully animated. Everything was moving. You'd have mother and father from the last scene of of Carousel of Progress describing what life-in-progress land would look like. And I just weep a tear because what you see today is less than one-quarter of the size of what was the original model. And that model was put into Disneyland as Walt's way of teasing people about the city that he was building in Florida without necessarily telling you that he was building it in Florida. That's great. Yeah, so it's uh, much smaller
0: here. Does Does the model still exist?
1: Well, the only bits of it that are left are are, are enshrined up where the te- uh, where the people mover is.
0: It's not in the archives. Does he didn't keep it?
1: No, no. You know what? A lot of the models, and a lot of the models are gone. I think probably the most tragic one was the model of the original Pirates of the Caribbean, was also destroyed. And although Walt never went on the ride himself. He went through the model numerous times and they developed a little eye scope for him so that he can see it through the point of view of a visitor and put him on a little wheel chart that was at the height where the visitor was. And it's really quite tragic. Some of the maquettes were made out of clay and they became very fragile. Those are the little statues. And ultimately the model itself got destroyed. In this case, they did preserve a little bit of it but it's not the same. It's you know, My book is about being like a young boy, seeing the model, seeing all the vehicles moving, watch, being proud of my general electric nuclear power plant, which was just off the distance, <laughs> and, and knowing that that was my clean source of energy. And unfortunately, sadly, what you get is a former shell of itself, and it's not terribly impressive. But at least a little bit of it's there, and I go by and I weep every time. That's right. So let's, uh, let's
0: continue walking. So while uh, we're walking, we've got... Stitch's Great Escape on our right. We've got uh, the Monsters uh, Lafour comedy show on our uh, left. It's, uh, it, Jim Hill brings up a good point about the, about this particular show building, the one with Monsters, Inc. Uh-huh. That it's historically not done well in terms of shows because <laughs> yeah. from a facade perspective, it's terrible. Yeah. When uh, when people are coming off the hub, it's it, it's not like there's anything here that pulls them in to tell them, hey, there's a show in here that you want to see.
1: That's right, and I've noticed uh, as I walk by, they're generally having cast members standing out front trying to uh, flag you in. They have a barker. Whereas
0: had they designed it correctly, it would have just done it itself.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it, and it's that is that is kind of unfortunate. And even the architecture of the area, what they decided to do, this was always really the big problem with Tomorrowland. Because by the time you finish with Tomorrowland, tomorrow is already here. Right. And it starts to look dated. So it was Disneyland Paris was the first one where they said, you know, let's go a different direction. Let's go something a bit more timeless, Jules Verne, that sort of thing. Then they tried to apply that here by taking it into sort of a fantasy future. And from what I can gather, buildings aren't just buildings, but they're all mechanical And much like the tenets of modernism, they expose the mechanical structure. But here the implication is is that the large fans above are able to move and close things. Almost every piece of furniture you see has giant screws or bolts, and it gives the implication like a tinker toy, you could take it apart or they'll move and they'll, they'll actually activate themselves. What's really strange is, there is a building in Los Angeles, it's the Caltrans building in downtown Los Angeles, which has now mimicked this. And it has metal screen, but the metal screens will open and close depending on where the sun is at the time, so that they can allow light into the building. So, you know, maybe the future is not so far off of having buildings that can morph to whatever the weather is, and that's what they've tried to do here.
0: That's fantastic. I'm, uh, these don't open, though, right? No, no, no good, everything so.
1: just, but, but you know, because of the gears and everything, it, it does not look it. it. It looks like it could.
0: Yeah. That's, that's pretty clever, actually, so a venting system. Yeah. I've never noticed that before. That's really neat. It's a nice detail. Huh. Interesting. All right, let's walk through uh, the uh, Tomorrowland Terrace uh, noodle station, which is never open. <laughs> I was going to say, there's a restaurant ah. over
1: there? <laughs> apparently,
0: legend has it. Yeah. Sam, many years ago,
1: uh, uh, nice bathroom star. Our,
0: our forefathers uh, had a restaurant here that you could uh, you could actually uh, buy food and then sit at these tables.
1: And they're glorious because, you know, it's great shade.
0: Yeah, the, the it's covered. The
1: are deep enough that you get a breeze. They've got fans. It's quite comfortable. No wonder people want to fight and die to go here for the fireworks and stuff like that and are willing to shell out the big bucks. It's
0: true. It's really
1: good. So it's a it's a great little space.
0: It's just uh, it's just never open, which is a shame.
1: Yeah, and one of the other things that I, I really enjoy about the Magic Kingdom's Tomorrowland is the gateway. When you go walk through the bridge and over the bridge, and you've got that little tower, it's a very distinct, very clear gateway that already starts to set the theme pretty early on. And I, I thought that's very well done over there too. I like
0: the I like the waterfalls on the other side of that, and I think the uh, the water the movement of water.
1: Yeah, and you know, the original idea was all white, all pristine, and they had those giant, you remember the giant waterfalls yes, that were on yes, both sides? That's yes, super cool. That kind of slid on down. Those were, I thought, really spectacular, where you basically are entering in through the waterfall. But once again, the idea of Tomorrowland is already past time. They had to do something. This sort of timeless theme has allowed them not to have to remodel it again anytime terribly soon. That's what
0: it is. They just don't want to keep doing the upkeep on it. Well, now we're uh, we're at the the end of uh we're at the end of Tomorrowland where it's it's really interesting actually. So, um, at the, the border of the Tomorrowland Terrace uh, uh, building itself, you can see where it ends and Main Street begins because although it's both concrete, uh, one of them is sort of a purplish in uh, color, which is Tomorrowland. The other one is red. So again, this is the reddish towards a pink because it makes people look better in photos. That's awesome, and that's the uh, that's the border between uh, Main Street and. Uh, Tomorrowland, but, but
1: like the other areas that we've walked in, the, the cross, the the transitions are not absolute. Right. Like some of them are at Disneyland, you start to have Tomorrowland walls, Main Street fences. You have the Main Street little area next to the bathroom, but the bathrooms are wholeheartedly in Tomorrowland. So there's a little bit of a crossover, just like in a film.
0: Well, that's, uh, that's, gonna, that's a good place to end this particular series of podcasts. Sam, we'll have to have you back to do, uh, to do Epcot next. It's been an absolute joy, Len. I really like this. For, uh, for uh, Sam Genoway, author of the new book, Walt and the Promise of Progress City, I'm Len Testa. This has been the Unofficial Guide Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. We'll see you guys on the next show.